Clubhouse. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you? Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family-friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 36 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. We're talking about surviving Christmas. More like surviving this movie. (laughs) 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 This turd was written by a lot of people. Harry Elfont, Deborah Kaplan, Jennifer Ventimiglia, Joshua Sturden. You know, it's always a bad sign when there's more than two people involved in writing of a movie. It was directed by Mike Mitchell. Mike Mitchell actually has directed a bunch of movies. Uh, He's directed movies like Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, this movie. This is actually only his second. Somehow this did not destroy his career. This was his second directing movie. and, And he's gone on to direct after this Sky High shrek forever after you know the shrek that we all love the most alvin and the chipmunks chipwrecked which i actually do like trolls and the lego movie too the second part intriguing that he got away from human directing and more into voiceover cartoon directing interesting animated flicks i mean from all accounts this movie was a disaster and nightmare to film (laughs) well it was released october 22nd of 2004 so they at least sort of got the memo that maybe we should start releasing movies here you know much at the at the right time right from our last one we were feeling like they were they released at completely the wrong time but it was already out of the theaters by november 23rd that's not a good sign people (laughs) if you can't make it through the thing Thanksgiving time, that's not good. And Mike, it had a $45 million budget, but it only made $15.1 million back. Yikes. And not I, good. I imagine Drew Latham, the character, is is the one who spent most of that $15 million <laughs> uh, at the box office. All right. Let me give you the one sentence plot here. Ready? Who is this Drew Latham? He is a lonely, obnoxious, that, that one should be like in like gigantic capital letters, young millionaire pays a family to spend Christmas with him. But that line alone, I think that you could actually do a lot with this movie, right? Someone with a ton of money and he's going to like hire people to like make him have a great Christmas. That doesn't sound like like you couldn't have fun with that. No, it's like Brewster's millions, right? You've got a lot of money and you need to spend it. Right. And Brewster goes out and buys all sorts of things kind of thing. And I like this whole premise of, uh, you know, kind of a loser uh, who's rich and and lonely and doesn't know how to be in touch with his feelings and and kind of, you know, rents a family to get that experience. Uh, The pitch is fantastic. The problem is Ben Affleck is a monster. And, uh, and, and and it's just not a good movie. It's just poorly written and poorly it's it's poorly written and even worse executed. Okay, so before we get into Ben Affleck, because I really really dislike him, and I even 
like this movie solidified it for me. Like maybe I had like kind of loosened up a little bit over the years around about him. And then this one was like, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm sending all my troops to the front line. Like we're not going to let him through any longer with the shenanigans. But I do want to say the tone of this movie, the franticness of this movie I felt hardcore. Like I really, we're starting to really get into the Christmas swing of things around here this year. Everyone's saying shipping is going to be a nightmare. So don't wait till after Thanksgiving to start shopping. All of those little vignettes of people like hurrying to wrap presents and getting all frustrated and kind of running around and that, that kind of anxious anxiety filled portion of Christmas. I understood it. I got it. I think they conveyed that very well. They set this movie up very well. For that, like, okay, this isn't going to be the the one where we're all going to tell you this really sweet story. This is going to be the one where everyone's kind of like frazzled the entire time. Right. It's surviving Christmas. And and yeah, yes. I, the, op- <laughs> the opening was my favorite part when the guy finally rages on the wrapping paper and then yes. throws it out the window. I was like, yes. hysterically, I have been there, my man. My dude, I have given that present to people with like little blood stains on it. Why? How did I get blood? Oh I don't know. That doesn't matter. But I did. Uh, blood, sweat and tears went into that gift. Yeah, and the sad gingerbread faces, that kind of made me laugh. But grandma putting her head in the oven, too far. Too far. Too far. I agree. But it did let you know, look, we're going to get dark and we're going to take some things too far. So that was all set up. If you can get through the first 10 minutes... This movie is not for you because that because everything that happens, all of the feelings and all of the little vignettes, I think like really that that is the rest of the movie. It just plays out. This is a very cynical view of Christmas. This movie, it's it's very Christmas isn't about the joy, but Christmas is about the mechanical nature with which we go about doing things i think that's what Mm. you're getting from the opening montage and just the way drew conducts himself and the family through this checklist of things before we get too far in it in into this though i want to backtrack to you bringing up when this movie came out came out october 22nd right before halloween too far in advance they've swung too far for but so here's the tagline for this movie caroline this year, Christmas comes early, really early, like dot, 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 October 22nd. That's the tagline that they came up for this turd. Good Lord. Good Lord. Someone really phoned that one in. This movie was actually shot in 2002 into 2003 and was shelled for a year because the studio was like, this is god awful. We don't even want to release this. They actually considered <laughs> releasing it direct to DVD because they were like, this is so, so bad. And only because it was Ben Affleck and Gandolfini, you know, about to do the, you know, the, with the Sopranos run and, you know, Christine Applegate and, and Catherine O'Hara. Those are four big stars. So they yeah. released it to theater, but it was on DVD two months after being released in theaters. Christmas wow. with the Cranks comes out in 2004. Christmas with the Cranks comes out in November, is still playing in the theaters when this movie comes out on DVD. That's how poorly this movie Holy did. cow. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. Okay, Crazy. well, so we're, let's get right to where we think some of the problems lie, which you pointed out the writing 100%, but I, I am laying a gigantic mat at the feet of Ben Affleck for yeah. what stinks about this movie he is so over the top he is so just i know he's he's early in his career for the most part even though he's done a lot they've all been bad for the most part 
Kind of set us where we were in Ben's career, will you, Mike? I mean, this movie comes out right in the middle of his kind of stinker run. Uh, you have Daredevil comes out in, in 2003. Actually, this movie was in production when Daredevil released. And I think people actually kind of like him in that movie. And Daredevil, though, didn't do very well. It, it's a, I think it has aged better. I think people like it now more than they maybe did then. So he's got Daredevil, but then he's got Geely, which is just a, a hot mess bomb. <laughs> Then he's got This Comes Out. Also in this year, he's got Jersey Girl Comes Out. He also has Paycheck, which is not wanting to compete with the movie Paycheck, which was a tremendous bomb. Uh, and I think it was John Woo's last film he directed in the United States, literally chased the man back to Asia uh, <laughs> because it did so badly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, then you have This it Comes Out. And, you know, Jersey Girl is post the first Benefer, you know, Jersey Girl, they famously, that's where he meets Jennifer Gardner and they kind of get together. They actually edited out almost all of Jennifer Lopez's footage from Jersey Girl because it was shot before they broke up. It came out after they broke up. So they went to the editing room and like removed her. That's all wow. you need to know about the kind of person Ben Affleck is. Here's the Ooh. thing. <laughs> I used to like him because I like Matt Damon a lot. And so they were sold to us as like Matt and Ben, best they friends were, from Boston. They were very like a package deal. Yes. And I was okay with that. Like I like him in Goodwill Hunting as like the in the background supporting character friend to Matt Damon's will. You know, I like him kind mm -hmm. of in Armageddon, even though he's playing a I, I my recollection he's kind of playing a smarmy guy or a version of himself. <laughs> he's very Eddie Eddie Haskell like. I think that's my problem with him. He, he knows he's attractive. He knows he's charming. He, like, wallows in it. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a big part of it. For me, like, there are so many words I want to use about him, but this is family-friendly, so I'm trying yes. really hard to be descriptive. You'll notice I've used not... her twice because I feel like that's as strong as I can go. Yeah, like, I, like mm, it's tough. He is so grating on me during this entire thing. None of the delivery moments for me, like, like hit where I was like, oh gosh, I really feel this. This is really happening right now. Now, this is both Ben Affleck and Drew the character. I mean, obviously all the the oil and water between him and Christine Applegate playing Alicia, the uh, like faux sister, right? That whole thing is about him just being such like a ham-fisted, over-the-top, can't just act like a like a genuine human at any point in time. That is their whole issue between the two of them, basically. And, and that is my issue with him in this whole movie. You know, like, I don't feel like even at the end, I was like cringing that they would ever get together. Like, I was like, no, like, this guy's no. gross. Get away from him. Yeah, not no, good. It's, it, it's not good. He, you know what? My thing is, like, he feels like he's trying to sell you insurance and a used car all the time at the same time. Like, there's no sincerity in him at all. But then also, like, definitely like a lemon that he knows is yeah, a lemon here yeah. and like all the other parts to it. He like knows they're like the bridge is out, but he's still sending it down the road. Here's the thing. Yeah. So when Tom when Tom comes to collect the money at the end of the movie, you know, Drew pays up. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll go get my checkbook and, and easily hands over the money. Ben Affleck, <laughs> my feelings about him 
as a, as kind of an actor and just what I project his personality to be. I don't know him. He may actually be a good guy. I, all I know is the public persona of him and how he comes off to me in movies is what I'm judging this on. I found it unbelievable that he would actually pay the money. It feels like the kind of move that Ben Affleck type would be like, nah, man, I already got what I want. You're not getting your money. A thousand percent. I agree with you. And like, even the idea that he thought that like James Gandolfini was basically coming just to punch him in the face. That's because of like his entire history of life that like, yeah, because that's how that's your relationships with everybody. You screw people over in such a way that, yeah, they would come and punch you in the face. Of course you expect that. All right. So we've got to set this up a little better for our listeners. So this guy has no family. Now he lies about it a couple different ways. So he does. It's very cliche, though, at the holidays to want to present a certain version of yourself, right? If you're not married, then, then you know, you might ask a friend, could you come and pretend to be my girlfriend or boyfriend just to get my grandma off my back? Like that kind of stuff. I think we've seen that in a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. Hijinks always ensues, right? And, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and oh, well. But this bigger whole, like, rent the entire family and for such a huge sum of money... That I haven't seen. I've only seen like do favors for one another kind of thing. No, but I. What do you think? No, and especially not not for the purposes of your own enjoyment. Like you've seen the idea of you know I'll hire you play my my mother or father play my girlfriend kind of thing. You know, like my parents don't know I'm gay. So yes. I'm going to hire you play my girlfriend kind of thing. And, I've, you know, my boyfriend's going to go sleep at someone else's house kind of thing. Right. You've seen that. That's like a joke yes. you see in movies and TVs. The idea of I'm going to rent you rent you as my family for my own enjoyment so I can live this fictional version of Christmas that he, as it turns out, never actually experienced. It's like the it's what he understands, I guess, from watching movies, what Christmas with family is supposed to be like. That's a that's a pretty novel concept and one that really interests me. I actually like it a lot. I was sitting there thinking, would I rent myself? Would I rent like me and Tom out for $250,000 to be someone's family? Would you? So I'm on the side of like, would I would I accept two hundred fifty thousand dollars in that's order a, yeah, to just uh, yeah, if you're James basically end up to... like hosting someone, right? Because that's all I'm really going to end up doing is like hosting this it's person. It's a little bit more because you have to you have to wear the hat, you have to do whatever this guy <laughs> says a mom or a dad do. I mean, the money would be great. I mean, that would help my family for sure. So that part, I'm like, okay, that would be great. The other part of me would would really kind of feel bad for this person and really have a hard time turning them out. I, at Christmas. And so some part of me would be like, I don't know, man, like if that's what you need to kind of like help you along here a little bit. And I guess since they're all older and they don't really have like little kids where they're really trying to keep up, you know, their own family traditions or whatever, then I guess it's okay. I mean, I, I would, I would kind of want to get to make this guy feel better, I guess. Does that sound terrible? No, no. I mean, I think there's a, there's a kind of person, you know, a kind hearted person who would just take in stray you know, and it, it leaves saucer of milk on the porch kind of thing is this, you know, would also take in this person. I would do it in a heartbeat. I, I mean, as long as I was pretty sure, like, he wasn't going to kill me in the middle right, of the right. night. We're not going to eat eat our bones. You know what? <laughs> I, I'm a big dude. I can take Ben Affleck. I'm not terribly worried about that. So especially this version of him, you know, maybe not Dunkin' Donuts and, and you know, drinking Ben Affleck, which is the only version of him that I've actually really ever, uh, you know, connected with. Uh, his his pandemic version of himself. I'm I'm all about that. But yeah, no, I would do it in a heartbeat. One because obviously this guy is lonely. The idea of someone being 
being alone makes me sad. Yeah, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, for sure, for that sure. Would come in awfully handy. So yeah, yeah I, Here, I think. Here's, yeah, here's my premium upgrade list. Would you like the uh, <laughs> right. the three hugs a day version of Dad? That's <laughs> that's a that's a fifteen thousand dollar premium. You know, I've got a whole pricing list. So that's pretty. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so so we're with that portion of it. I'm excited about that portion, even like I. Okay. I I want to be clear. I knew what this movie was about. I had not seen this movie. I'm assuming you hadn't seen this movie either. I had not, no. I, I, ha- I knew what this movie was about. I knew Gandolfini and Catherine O'Hara and Ben Affleck. I actually had forgotten Christine Applegate was in this. So I knew the idea of he's going to rent. He's a lonely guy, lonely rich guy renting a family. I knew the concept. I had never seen it. The premise, like, kind of tickled me. I was like, I like kind of dark cynical as much as I like Charlie Brown and and It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life and and uh, Miracle on 34th Street and like really like heartwarming home alone like heartwarming kind of christmas family first i like dark i like the ref i you know i like it's hard to be lonely it's even harder to be lonely at christmas i like scrooged i mean bill murray's character in scrooged is not terribly unlike drew latham in this movie a rich guy who doesn't appreciate family or its value and has no one very similar characters very and bill murray and ben affleck for their times bill murray personality wise is a little bit of a ben affleck juxtaposed years wise he's more charming he's got more charm uh, there's the rub he's (laughs) even when he's being an a-hole he's still more charming than ben affleck is when he's trying his hardest to be endearing agreed agreed okay so we've established that the premise is fine we're good with it it's even a little intriguing and and this could work out right do we buy gandolfini and o'hara as a couple do we even care about brian their son uh Yes. Uh, Gandolfini plays a Northeastern Jersey, New York guy like no one's business. Uh, He's me in so many ways, (laughs) but he's like my dad. He's, you know, he's my friend's dad's growing up, like very kind of believable, you know, that version of him. And they aged Catherine O'Hara and stole a part of the of her soul that gives her joy. The husk that was left. Felt very much like she would be in this dead end marriage with James Gandolfini. The overprocessed hair and the like, and and all of the um, the bags upon bags and ringed yes, eyes. Yes, yes, yes. I I felt I felt the haggardness happening. I just here. wanted her to take a nap. That's all I wanted <laughs> to do. She looks so tired. Oh my gosh, she looks so much better now than she did in this movie. She re- uh, yeah, she really. I mean, yeah, she really absolutely did. And I guess that's a credit to the makeup artist in this movie. A funny enough you mentioned Catherine O'Hara this is the third time she's appearing in our Christmas podcast this woman likes a good Christmas movie she's in Home Alone and do you remember the other one she was in oh sure she's in Nightmare Before Christmas she she's is Sally she's Sally yeah so <laughs> Catherine O'Hara she through the years she is uh, keeps popping up in these uh, Christmas movies I didn't care about Brian whatsoever I don't no. even feel like he had any reason to be in this movie not unlike the ref with their kid it was like why do we have to have this kid this son hanging around really and even even less, I would argue, he has even less to do in this movie than the son does in the ref. Because at least they use the the they use the son in the ref 
as a person for Dennis Leary to have his like turnabout on right his christmas yes. miracle uh turnabout like don't end up like me kid there's no such interaction here it, this kid is literally for internet He's porn like in the garage <laughs> yes yeah it's only for psychics it's only because he keeps getting shuffled from place to place to sleep you know mm-hmm. duda and alicia and <laughs> and uh drew all kick him out of his room and then he gets pelted with snowballs like that's and and online porn like to what to remind us what 2004 online porn chat rooms were like yeah well right. and and of course that totally exposes the one of the strangest moments was with uh, Catherine o'hara's entire makeover that this entire idea why don't you go take pictures it was not the worst idea in the world like okay all right somehow there's gonna be some spicing up of this marriage but that whole montage i was like i don't know what is happening right no. now and i've never seen her act like this so this is like crazy town the, the character herself felt so unnatural doing these things this is not a woman who struck me as someone who slithered around on the hood of the car to cherry pie um no, in the she 80s didn't have any tonic in her. no no never like I, <laughs> i'm you know she i don't know she whatever she was when she was younger or whoever she was when she was younger this did not feel natural that makeover i i mean I, i'm not any kind of expert on the subject i'm curious no? What do you think of this this uh, makeover that she gets before the pictures are taken with the the heavy eye makeup and all of that? Is that a good job? Is that a successful makeover for this character? I mean, I think it was meant to be like ridiculous and obviously like so far outside of what anyone would have wanted her to look like, including, you know, her husband and most especially her family. <laughs> but then to like see that she's like out on the Internet like that, that that was like the worst. I was like, oh my lord is that the only reason why we have brian the son he's got to like find this porn out here so creepy right and obviously i mean honestly they could have had christina Applegate's character find it or they could have had duda find it because the only really funny take on it is when duda is when duda walks into brian's room (laughs) and he's like oh let me see that and he picks up the mouse (laughs) and he's like he's like james doohan in the voyage home he's like computer hello computer like he's just talking to his mouse like how does does this work like that was the only funny take on it so what? Bill Macy I, what? as Duda was like my fave. I mean, I love him from Maud. He's so freaking funny. He was hilarious. And then, so then, of course, though, we have this bizarro moment of the understudy coming in. That was like so crazy. It was funny. I mean, it was funny when he like closes the door back up and is like, wait. <laughs> I mean, it was all funny. That part. Yeah. It, that was like, oh, wow, this is wild. Yeah, no, for sure. That's the frustrating thing about this movie. That's why this movie frustrated me more than anything else. There are so many parts of this movie that could have really worked and could have really popped and really could have been uproariously funny. You've got Catherine O'Hara in your movie. Even even that, the the scene with the makeover and, and the photographer is really bizarre. Right. Having cherry pie is a weird turn. Lick the lollipop is a weird thing that you should not hear in in family Christmas movies. (laughs) But it could have been funny if they had something for her to do. Catherine Howard is probably one of the funniest women of her generation. You gave her nothing to do. And you also gave Christina Applegate, another funny woman of her generation, nothing to do. These are funny women and they are just totems. They're just wooden 
holes, not given anything to work with. What's even worse is they also make them like edgy and mean and like snotty, like lots of nasty kind of remarks. A lot of like, I'm not going to forgive you. We're not going to talk like just a lot of just no softness. There's no there's no nothing. There's no redeeming part of them. They're not funny, but they also aren't bringing anything else to the table. Right. And I'd hope to God, Alicia, the Christian Applegate's character would not be taken in by Drew in the short amount of time they spend together. I mean, yes, there Mm -mm. is such a thing as love at first sight. I believe in that. I believe in being struck by Cupid's arrow when you just know this is not the guy you fall in love with, though, at first sight, though. Unless you're unless you're only in it for the money, which she's very clearly not in it for the money. That's the only redeeming part of his personality. It's all weird. I mm-mm. it was like that moment, like um, what was the movie that we did with the brothers and where they like switched girls? It was a Christmas movie, and the you loved it. It was like a movie you knew from like long ago, and it was like with Craig T. Nelson. Oh, 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 and, uh, uh, the Family Stone. The yes, Family Stone. the Family Stone. It was like it. It was that like forced. Like, come on, these two people are not going to fall in love with each other. Their personalities, as defined, don't even make any sense. Like, they wouldn't get anything. Out out of it other than like a one night stand kind of thing but like after that like it was as improbable as the sarah jessica parker's falling in love with this vagabond of a guy you know like come on can, can i can Not i happening can i posit it though because i actually kind Please. of love that you've made that comparison i okay. would argue sarah jessica parker is a female version of ben affleck unlikable mm. on their face of a face you just don't want to root for and have a hard time finding as the hero of your story. Okay. And if we're more likable and more charismatic and convincing on screen, maybe you would find someone falling in love with them suddenly more believable. That is not a likable personality in the same way that Drew, everything that Alicia gets to see of how Drew is acting the, at best, it's you have pity for this guy who's clearly broken inside, but that's it. It's not love; it's pity at best. At best, it would have been better so if just unlikable. the whole, if like the whole family just sort of took him in as like the surrogate kid, and they took the romantic portion out of it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you like we can like you, and you we can kind of try to mold you into having this family because you you did want to root for. Tom and Alicia not to get divorced and stuff like that. So, okay, we get it that you were, you know, Drew was trying to keep them together and keep their family together and all that kind of stuff. So, okay, but they just should, he, he should have just been like this, this cousin to their family or something and not tried right. to make him be, you know, just because you're, you're, you're two people of around the same age, let's have them suddenly, you know, be romantic partners like that. Just, uh, no. Uh, by the way, fun fact, James Gandolfini, yeah. only 10 years older than Christina Applegate. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. That's really crazy. I mean, it's like in uh, huh. shop, The Shop Around the Corner where Vadish was only six years younger than Frank Morgan. And I mean, they're playing completely separate generations. Yeah. So wild. Wow. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right, Mike, are you ready to talk about is this a Christmas movie? And like, what did we like about this? Uh, yeah, go for it. I'm I'm curious to hear what you come up with. Oh, gosh. Okay. well, I think it's got to be a Christmas movie because, I mean, just the whole concept of surviving Christmas, like getting through it, having to have this franticness. And 
And then, of course, I think that it's a universal feeling whenever you get around family where there's this this idea of like what I have put forth to other people and like who I actually am. I think that that's I think a lot of people can understand that. So the over you know, reaching themes of like, let's try to present one way when we're really something else. I think that that does go hand in hand with the holidays and I'm okay with all of that. So I'm good with calling this a Christmas movie. I agree. This is a Christmas movie. I think it is. I think there's a version of this movie where if you take a really highfalutin view of it, it's doing satire of the institution of Christmas. And so I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a Christmas movie that is kind of anti-Christmas in a lot of ways. I mean, well, let's play this. This is, I think, the summation of really what this movie is about. This clip right here. It's a big day for this family. Very well. All right. Uh, Mr. Latham agrees to pay the sum of $250,000 to the Valcos for services rendered until 11.59 p.m. on Christmas Day. And for said sum, the Valco family will aid Mr. Latham in recapturing those childhood Christmas memories, including, but not limited to, all due festiveness, celebrations, various and sundry merriments, and Yuletide glee. Agreed! <laughs> Agreed, right? Faking it anyway, might as well get paid. Yeah, uh, will there be anything else? Oh yeah, I, I gotta sleep in Brian's room. What? No. What are you talking, where's this going here? What do you mean? I, like it says in the contract, I get to sleep in my old room. Well, I'm gonna catch some shut-eye. Uh, who wants to go Christmas tree shop with me in the morning? Uh, apparently, you all do. <laughs> That's actually a funny scene. And sets it up well as to like, what are the expectations? What are you about to see? What are they all doing this for? You know, you and, get it. You and, get it. And again, this is a premise I could really get behind. I like this idea. No one is bigger in into rites and rituals than me. I, I, if you've listened to any podcast we've done, no matter what the topic was, I come around to it at some point. And Christmas, it's true, people, it's true. And Christmas is very much like that. There are things like, all right, it's time to go get the tree. It's time to wrap presents. It's it's time to sing Christmas carols as we decorate. There's there's a lot of traditions that families have when it comes to Christmas time in particular. Maybe more so than any holiday. The contractual nature with which this lawyer is going down it, the, the various uh, sundries of merriment, <laughs> the flipping through the page and saying like, oh, you're all going to enjoy going Christmas tree shopping at Don's. What was it? Poor Don's Treeland, I think is the name of the tree shop. Uh, you know, and, the, and just the mechanical nature of it, the, the transactional nature The way he just said it. glee when he was like Christmas glee. glee. Yeah, great job. I, yeah, maybe the best buddy. performance in the movie is the lawyer. Uh, by the way, they it's, it's Cy Richardson, and he is credited as Duda Understudy. So there you go. <laughs> okay. So That's I think this. I, I think this movie. If you view it from this is satire of the things we have to do. The reason we need the spiked eggnog that Drew is selling, you know, is pitching in the ad meeting at the beginning of the movie. The reason we need that is because all these things that we have to do, whether we like it or not, you know, joy is actually a fiction that that Hallmark movies sell you, and Christmas itself is actually this this obligation the series of obligations this movie is kind of interesting from that point of view that kind of satire of christmas but 
the problem is they don't really follow through with that. That's the last time you really get that view of it. I agree because the rest of the movie should should be more than just like a couple of montages of actually doing these traditions. Like, you know, they they showed a quick montage of like them baking or them hanging up the mm-hmm. stockings or whatever. But if the basis of the contract was to go through these different traditions, I don't know that they should have done it that way, you know, and focused on the romantic portions between him and Alicia. Like, I don't. Why did you do that when the premise of the movie was let's look at all these goofy traditions that people have and we can make fun of them or we can like make them bigger than they are or whatever. Why did you like leave the premise of the contract, you know? Right, right. And, and yes. And and I think so. The movie is just a jumble of ideas that then get abandoned. It's kind of like watching uh, an ADHD toddler hopped up on sugar try and... Try to explain Christmas to you. <laughs> exactly. If you're like, exactly. tell me, four-year-old, what is Christmas? And they're like, and then there was cookies, and, the, and then it was some stockings up, right. and then I went down the hill, and you're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? That part with the helicopter, Mike... What? I like fell off the couch when I was watching this. I was like, what is even happening right now? And that she knows him well enough that she's calling his bluff and then pushing him down the mountain. And Brian just walks off the whole thing. It's it's a series of interesting premises that just either get abandoned or executed so poorly as to make you wish they never had the idea to begin with. There's there's a reason for that, though, too. In digging into this movie and, you know, putting together the trivia from the various websites that we pull from, uh, I, I found this little bon mot. It said, production was shot without a completed script. As a result, <gasps> there were many delays and arguments over what to shoot. James oh Gandolfini admitted gosh. in a behind-the-scenes interview that most of the film was, quote-unquote, improvised. Oh, my Lord. I feel that so hard. Well, that's how you get. That's a great idea. And then the next day we forget about it. We're going to move on to some other great idea. And so there's no follow through. It's just a series of interesting or good ideas that get abandoned or botched horribly. Can't be executed because there was no forethought for how we get from point A to point B. Right. So it's like you end up with those little montage moments because there's no way to set up like the actual structure it requires to go from tradition to tradition. You just have to start throwing things around. The whole plot with Alicia, she's going to leave because she sees him kissing Jennifer Morrison in the kitchen. But then she decides to come back and now she's going to do a revenge fantasy. Like, where are you schizophrenic? Like, what? what's your deal? <laughs> you you either can't be in the room with this horrible person who has, uh, you know, how you've, who you feel maybe has abused your trust by taking a story you told him, a personal story, and making a production of it. You're a horrible person then. Like, you're going to go do a revenge fantasy? Like, you're the monster then. You're all monsters. No, <laughs> let me root for you, Alicia. Have some principles here. Your parents are already, you know, in for a penny, in for the pound. But, but at the same time, I wish maybe there was an aspect of this, and you hinted at this before, where we get to see Tom and Christine, uh, the parents, really start to take to him as their son and be protective of him. You know, when when Missy comes, maybe they don't haggle him for an extra seventy five thousand dollars. Maybe right. maybe maybe they've come to like you know this guy's actually brought some joy into our life. They've they've rekindled their romance a little bit after the makeover. So he's had a, a, a semi positive effect in their life. So it would have been interesting for them to be like, come on, son, you know, we'll handle this together, kind of thing. That would have been more Christmassy for sure, because that would have given you that banding together for the miracle that has to happen. Somehow the miracle is that this family is going to believe that this is 
is really his family. Like you didn't have that banding together without people being bribed <laughs> or it just falling apart. Right. And then you have Alicia just setting a, a Molotov cocktail on the whole yes. thing. They're trying to hold it together because he's given them an extra $75,000. And Alicia comes in and she's just throwing bombs everywhere because she's now playing in a different movie where we're going to burn it all down and, and destroy <laughs> everyone's life. And by the I'd way, I'd like you to say she's playing in a different movie. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think there's it's a couple true. of different movies going on here. They were coming to set at like the same time, but shooting different movies, it felt like in some places. It seemed like they were in the same room, but on different planets. Well done. <laughs> If I, had, if I had only pulled the audio clip. Oh, my gosh. That's okay. I could just keep saying them. Maybe I I'll just it. keep like a running list over here. Yeah, keep, but you don't make no sense. There you go. Perfection. I was uh, waiting for that one to come up. At the end of the movie, they try and sell you on this Christmas turnaround, right? Which is what a lot of Christmas movies do. A, a, a bad person learns something and now is a good person. He is transformed by the Christmas spirit and magic of Christmas time. But it feels so unearned at the end of this movie. And not like I'm excited. Like, I don't want Alicia to be with Drew. Like, no. I don't want this. I don't. I didn't. And like you said, or if Tom and Christine would would start to like him, like something like we needed something to feel like it's OK that he's joining their family in some way, you know. But I didn't. I. Ooh, this is rough, you guys. Yeah, it's all unearned. It's. It's a cynical take on Christmas portrayed by unlikable characters that has an unearned Christmas miracle turn at the end. So, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. It's just so poorly done. And even kind of like a, as much as it's like a miracle at the end. Yeah, sort of kind of. But even that part where you think it's going to sort of be a miracle, like that whole mess with Missy and her parents. Yeah. I mean, yeah. whoa. I mean, talk about like dinner gone wrong and everything like that just exploded. Now her family is ruined. Wow. The, what a crazy, crazy premise. And, and what's Jennifer Morrison doing being a brunette? Why did she not be a blonde? Oh that my was gosh. wild to me. <laughs> That's really funny. But I mean, I, why? Why is that in this movie? I'm, who knows? <laughs> I like the idea that he yells at the wife, you know, uh, you, you know, you're always looking down on people. Like, obviously, these people have problems. They're trying to hold it together. Like, you know, you, you stop there. We don't need the extra reveal. I'm not even her real father. What? <laughs> You've just destroyed this girl. This girl's going to go jump. She's going to go borrow Mr. Matishik's gun. Oh, no, stop. That's too far. <laughs> but I agree. Like, Move it over, just, Granny. It, I'm coming in the oven. It just messed up the whole potential. And then so then the, the, the success was supposed to be her being willing to go to Fiji. And like, okay, great. Now I guess we're back together and whatever. We're just going to abandon both sides of our family and just run off to Fiji. I guess that was supposed to be the big miracle moment in that at that point of the movie and then they kind of change that all up and again anyway and kind of go a different direction but yeah all right sir are you ready for some trivia fast facts yeah one thing before we start though okay uh, this is a post 9-11 movie if anyone no matter how rich they were tried to do the nonsense at christmas time that he does going to attack steven root and ambush him for clinical advice psychiatry advice at the x-ray oh, machine in yeah. a post 9-11 world he yeah. would have been tased at a minimum 
at a minimum. Yeah. I, that, right there, I was like, this movie is not believable, and I am not going to enjoy this. Like, <laughs> and I love Stephen Root. Steven, you put Stephen and Root in a movie, and you've already got me. On, that's the that's another thing. I love Christina Applegate. I love Catherine O'Hara. I actually like James Gandolfini a lot. I, I love Stephen Root. These are things it, that should it make a me... lot to take them down. <laughs> it is. Imagine how poorly this has to be executed for me to be sitting here donkey on a movie that stars a lot of people that I like a lot. Yes. Let's do some fast facts, please. <laughs> All right. Fast facts. OK, so we, we hit upon some of the stuff. And so that that I feel like has explained a lot of what happened with this movie. But let's throw in a couple of more little nuggets for you. I unfortunately watched and I didn't even get through all of it because it looked like I was watching a hostage video. The, there is a feature it you could watch on YouTube of the cast giving interviews. And it's it's very possible there is someone standing holding like their pets hostage off camera. The force really? the, the force way with which they have to talk about this movie and, and put a bow on their turd. Uh, but in particular, the fact that originally they were going to shoot this movie in in, in Illinois, uh, in, in Arlington heights you know about where the movie is supposed to take place but it was so cold what did ben affleck say he said it was so cold there it was so horrible it was i wanted to vomit it was so cold he said i wanted to vomit it was so cold because it, it was, it was like much he said something it was i think he said it was like negative 30 degrees and then someone else said it was like negative 10 degrees um it was actually too cold for snow so they ended up shooting the majority of this movie in california because it was actually mm. too cold to shoot in illinois but the way that he dunks on like there's a lot of people live in chicago my man and you're from boston <laughs> like i wanted to vomit like the idea idea of being there was so repugnant to him and james gandolfini he's going in his uh he's going in his uh interview and he's kind of doing a tony soprano thing he's like hey what are you gonna do what are you gonna do you know it's, it's, you know they're giving me a paycheck what are you gonna do you know like you know it was kind of like that he was like it's kind of fun not knowing what you're gonna say you know he just kind of uh, makes uh, it's mix, kind of fun it's kind of makes, <laughs> like, it makes a mystery like eh, every day you gotta make a, like a, a little bit of a mystery it's gonna be improvised it's gonna be great you know like he's kind of like you know that how do else do you put a a, 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 a bow on having no script it, it's a, it's every day is a new adventure you know <laughs> you sure oh my gosh okay so for for to to that point i guess in the in the script and everything we have um ha, it had three nomination at 2005's golden raspberry awards for worst picture worst actor and worst screenplay and uh man i think those were all very well earned nominations did he they win? lost of course uh, I was gonna say, on I was, all on I, all fronts i was going to ask i was going <laughs> to did they even win button Managed no. to win the Razzies. No, no. But I, you know, I, I, I applaud them for getting nominated. <laughs> Sad for Halle Berry, though. Uh, it's actually, they actually lose to Catwoman in two of those three categories, which is, which is, I mean, I mean, we're not doing Catwoman, the Halle Berry's Catwoman, but man, what a commentary on that, that this movie was seen as being better than that. Uh, yeah, and by the way, I want, just for the record, I was being sarcastic. I actually don't like the Razzies. I actually think it's extremely mean-spirited and is the height of negative culture uh, that, oh, the Razzies, totally. that the Razzies even exist. I think it's extremely mean-spirited and I don't endorse support or otherwise root for the <laughs> Razzies you? in any way. Well, because I said, of course... Did we you know, all sign a contract for that? No, it's because I said, you know, I only love when the Razzies come up kind of thing. I actually don't. I actually find it very mean-spirited. But there you go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is just a stinker. It's regularly, I think... One of the website had it as the fourth worst Christmas movie of all time. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, actually, on the Rotten Tomatoes website, the film actually holds an approval rating of 7% based on 113 <laughs> reviews. The average rating is 3 out of 10. Wow, um, Mike. Yeah. That's pretty extreme. Oh, I'm glad you got to ratings because it's time for us to get to Jingle Bell ratings. And I feel a little nervous. I'm going to need a little thinking while you play me a little clip. All right. Here is a clip from next week's movie. Hmm, I don't know this movie. I hmm, What is this? This is 2006 Deck the Halls, starring Dana DeVito and Matthew Broderick, Kristen Davis, Kristen Chenoweth, the Kristens. We're going to be hanging out. We're going to be decking the halls with the Kristens next week. So I'm very excited I hope about that. that this foursome manages to, to, to keep it together better than, than our previous ones here. <laughs> no foursome has ever made me sadder than this foursome. Oh, so. my. Okay. Well, so are you ready for some Jingle Bell ratings? Can I just tell you one more fast fact real quick? Oh, sure. So John Favreau was approached to direct this movie and he yeah. turned it down. Do you know what he directed instead? Oof. To where? Mm, are we about elf time? Oh, we are about elf time. Oh, Talking about good choice. <laughs> dodging a bullet, John Favreau. <laughs> wow, nice. You'd be drinking Dunkin' Donuts, looking like Bigfoot, you know, uh, <laughs> if you had done this movie instead. So. <laughs> All right, That's Caroline, nice. time for ring, for our Jingle Bell ratings. What are we giving old Surviving Christmas from 2004? Okay, so here's the deal. It is a Christmas movie, so it gets rated within the other Christmas movies, okay? So I'm not playing any of those games of, like, just generally as a movie, here's what I think. I'm, I'm going with the Christmas portion. I am going to give this one a two, <laughs> Because they didn't follow through on any of the Christmas portions. Yes, it's set at Christmas. And yes, the premise is Christmas, like driven, I guess. But they didn't follow through on any of them. Like we didn't actually get to the traditions and we didn't really like get into this family. Like I don't know much about Ben Affleck, not Ben Affleck, but Drew's family. I don't know enough about really Tom and Christine's family. Like I didn't get a big sense of like what they did at the holidays. And that was what this was all about was like, I want to experience Christmas with a family and we didn't get to do that. And so I feel like, boo, you didn't deliver on what you told me you were going to do. So I'm giving it a two. I'm going to give it a slightly high rate. I'm going to give it a three. No, I'm going to give it a two and a half. I'm going to give it a two and a half because <laughs> okay. it, it is a Christmas movie. So it's better than like kiss, kiss, bang, bang from that point of view. Right. And I think it actually raises some interesting ideas about Christmas. That if you were to take the some of the premises here and then write your own movie or write your own fan fiction would be interesting things that I'd be want to watch or read. I just think what we wound up here was just such a jumble of ideas, half finished thoughts, led by an unlikable actor playing an even more unlikable character, surrounded and supported by generally unlikable characters or characters at least you don't care about that's what it is it's not that gandolfini's tom or Catherine o'hara's christine or christina applegate's alicia are, be are are bad characters you just don't care about them you're not invested in them in any way shape or form i don't care what happens to this family when this movie ends i don't i don't care i don't know them i don't have any allegiance to them I, I don't care either way. And that's a sin for a movie. Make me love them, make me hate them, but make me feel something. This movie made me feel nothing for these people. But I like some of the ideas it raises. I like that contract scene. I like the idea of the satire of Christmas and, and attacking the 
thing, the steps, the automatic steps that we all have to walk through. Oh, we have to do the eggnog. We have to do, you know, oh, Christmas tree before we turn on the lights. You know, we have to do this and that and all on a schedule. I like that satire. They just abandon it so hard. And some of the other things I like about this movie, idea wise, that just don't get followed through. So I'm giving it a two and a half purely on some concepts that might have been interesting in more capable hands. It's super good to know that the script was like not finished and they were just improvising. It makes so much more sense as to what this became. I, I'm I'm thankful for that fast fact, Mike, because that really that put it all in perspective for me. Why like how do you take such great talent and a pretty good concept and just mess it up? Uh you just you just go without a plan. <laughs> and yeah. that's always a bad idea. I don't have a lot more information than this, but John White, who is Ben Affleck's stand in for this movie, he wrote a, this is the quote anyway, wrote a devastating depiction, a devastating depiction of what the filming was like in his book, Dreams That Die, Misadventures in Hollywood, uh, specifically the filming of this movie. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. On that note, this is Caroline. And this is Mike. Thank you for listening to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. If you wouldn't mind going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe, we would really appreciate it. Uh, and subscribe to all of Pod Clubhouse's podcasts. There's other ones there. There's a bunch there where we don't say bad things about the thing we just watched. Uh, most of it we <laughs> actually love. We're actually really happy yeah, people. Totally. Uh, and while you're there, if you could leave us a five-star rating, that would be fantastic. So we don't have to sneak up behind you while you're burning your grievances on our lawn and hit you with a with a steel shovel go a little bada bing bada boom hey and don't eat my salami don't do it don't Thanks do for it listening bye don't eat my salami don't do it <laughs> don't, don't do it thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production pod clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.